Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, the podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. Joining us today are Leslie Bogdanow and Beth Cave, both wonderful women who work in our children's ministry and have a passion for teaching God's Word to our FPC children and our women, really, for that matter. And what I love about y'all's passion is Leslie's is, is exuberant, <laughs> and Beth is so quietly gentle. Um, but it's passion on both sides, and I love how it's directed. Um, comes from the Lord, uh, centers around His Word, and then overflows to other people. So it is a privilege to have y'all with us today. And we're going to start with our First Things First segment, as we always do. I'm going to ask you the question, and then you're going to give a brief personal introduction about yourself. So what is, first things first, what is the first costume you remember wearing for Halloween? Beth, will you start us off? Well, I can only remember one costume that I wore to Hall- for Halloween. <laughs> ever and in your whole life? Ever in my whole life, okay. because my parents... Uh, decided that we weren't going to celebrate Halloween when I was in elementary school and they would invite kids to come to our basement. We were in upstate New York and it was freezing cold outside and Mm. we would have some little uh, party down there. But anyway, the one year I remember I was a a rich lady with a a green emerald dress and a a fur stole. And the purpose for the fur stole is when you're in upstate New York, October 31st is very cold to be Mm -hmm. trick-or-treating. So everybody's costume was warm. (laughs) But that's the only one I remember. And um, I don't feel particularly deprived, but that was it. (laughs) You don't remember why that was the year you dressed up and went out? I I don't remember, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was before things changed gotcha you had to manage the first stole and the candy bag yeah, and, and, the the, and the dress and the dress that's not easy i'm picturing it it's funny okay i'm leslie bogdanow and i work in the children's ministry with my dear friend beth cave so it's so fun to be here with her <laughs> and i have three kiddos lexi brewer and carter and i'm married to a policeman sergeant josh bogdanow <laughs> Um, Do you call him that all the time? Yes, Sergeant. No, I don't. (laughs) What if he made me? Sergeant. (laughs) Yes, Sergeant. I heard you, Sergeant. No, he doesn't doesn't make me call him that. (laughs) Um, My first costume that I remember wearing for Halloween, you know, back when I was a kid, we didn't have Pinterest, okay? So we used what we had. I had a life-size, I was a toddler probably, maybe three or four. Uh, like a big Raggedy Ann doll. Do you remember Raggedy yeah, Ann? Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, young people, Google Raggedy Ann. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see what I dressed up like. And my mom took the costume off the doll, <laughs> put it on me, and then drew me some freckles oh, and made great. me. I don't know how she did my hair because Raggedy Ann has like, maybe she made me a little yarn wig. I can't remember. I need to find pictures, but that was a fun memory to think about. Yep, I was Raggedy Ann. That makes me laugh that she took it off the doll and put I it know. on you. That's funny. All right, Beth, we forgot to get your your little mini bio. So tell us just a little bit about yourself, too. I'm married to Mike uh, for almost 34 years. I came to Augusta to work as a dietitian and not planning to stay, just to get a couple years of experience. And I married a local and then um, proceeded to have seven children in 10 years and super busy <laughs> doing that. But now I'm in a new stage of life. I'm an empty nester, which I really like. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it's not too empty because two of my daughters are married and live in town with five precious grandchildren. Oh. So my life hasn't slowed down that much. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> That's sweet. What, That's how long did you practice as a dietitian? Uh, three years okay. before I yeah. had my first. Yeah. And, and did you that. have your children eat very healthy? Healthily growing up? Basically, yes. And they, it's kind of funny because now they are giving me recipes and they all love to eat healthy and cook and I love it. You know, it's just kind of uneventful. My uh, growing up with Halloween, our family wasn't big Halloween people. And dress up was every day of the week for me (laughs) because my grandmother, my cousin and I, man, we loved to get in my grandma's things and they were just the best things, right? She had like hats and gloves and so every day was dress up. I mean, you know, we would dress up and give concerts and I mean, <laughs> all the, I mean, all the things. And so I, my role at Halloween was my grandma would give out candy and she didn't walk really well. So I got to give out candy, but I also got to shop for it. So I only shop for the things that I liked. And so when it was all, you know, whatever was left over, well, darn, it's mine. So too bad it's chocolate. Oh, yeah. and more chocolate. Oh, well, well, it, is, it happens to be all of my favorites. <laughs> what do you know? That's too bad. Nobody came to the door. Mm-hmm. Grandma, no. I don't know what happened. Lots of deception going on at Halloween. Uh, deception. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that's funny well my family was similar to both y'all's I guess and in Vanessa and Beth and the fact that we didn't really make a big deal out of Halloween and my parents went in and out of seasons of okay we're not going to trick-or-treat too okay you could trick-or-treat no we're not going <laughs> to trick-or-treat and I so I remember in middle school dressing up as a ladybug why I chose that I don't know but my best friend and I were twin ladybugs so I think it involved a red sweat suit of some type big black polka dots and i don't even remember what we did with our faces but i thought we looked pretty cute (laughs) well like you said vanessa halloween really is deception about deception you know things are not as they appear Mm. frankenstein is not really frankenstein he might be billy from down the street you just don't know which leads us into our passage for today because we are talking about some people who dressed up and pretended to be what they were not, talking about the Gibeonites and their interaction with the nation of Israel. So, Vanessa, give us a little recap of what happened in these chapters. Absolutely. As we began our discussion on chapters 9 and 10 of the book of Joshua, if you haven't had the opportunity to read uh, chapters 9 and 10, I want to encourage you to pause for a moment and read those chapters, take them all in. It's always so much more important for you to hear what the Lord has to say through his word than to hear what we have to say. But we do hope you'll come back. So pause, take a read and join us back here. But in those chapters, um, they happen in Gilgal is is where Israel is camped out. It's this place where uh, Israel's fighting men were circumcised and where the Lord removed the reproach of Egypt from them and from their former captors. And so this was a special place to them. This is where they had just been consecrated. This is where they experienced the Lord's favor. And so this is a sweet space. And, and now we turn the page and visiting Israel in Gilgal, are these supposed travelers who have come from a distant country asking Israel to make a covenant with them. And we look at that and just in the language of the text, it's like they're really trying to make a covenant really fast, right? It's like, let's, you know, it's like, let's enter covenant really quickly. And you quickly think about Rahab that we just talked about in chapter two, 
And she heard about Israel's God much in the same way that these Gibeonites had and how he had defeated other nations. But her approach was a little different. Um, She was helping Israel and she was hiding the the guys and she was really trying to advance their plan um, and knowing that their plan was to destroy where she lived. But she was still working with them to advance that plan. Well, these guys came and they deceptively try to say that they were from somewhere far away uh, and even had all the trappings to say, look, our clothing is worn out, our bread is moldy, all the things that was going to convince Israel and did convince them that um, they couldn't be a neighboring country, that they had to have come from far away. And so Israel in that counted on their own understanding. Mm -hmm to discern what could only be spiritually discerned. And they needed wisdom that only the Lord could give. The problem wasn't that they weren't questioning or that they weren't thinking because they questioned. It's like, how do we know you're not from around here? And so they, they paused, they doubted it. But so they thought it wasn't that they weren't thinking. They just weren't praying. They weren't asking the Lord. And how often that's true of us. You know, um, we tend to be less apt to ask for help in our places of greatest competence. You know, if if we think we are so certain of what we see, we're just a lot less likely to ask the Lord to give us wisdom in that. And um, those places where we've had greatest, greatest success and where we feel the most self-sufficient. So although Israel entered the covenant under false circumstances, they still honored it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Lord wanted them to honor it. And that's a foreign concept for us. So talk to us a, a bit about that, Amber. Yeah. Well, and when you say they entered into covenant, that's one of the things that I wouldn't have necessarily realized. Or maybe it says it in this text. I can't remember if it's here or, or previously, but that the fact that they weren't allowed to enter into covenant with these nations who were close to them, but they mm-hmm. were allowed to enter into covenant with nations that had come from a distance. So mm-hmm. somehow... Gibeon must have heard uh, that that's the way that Israel was operating. Right. And so that's why that they were they were pretending to be Israel, knowing that then if they entered into covenant with them, uh, that Israel wouldn't be able to break it. Yeah. So the idea of not breaking a covenant, you know, they make, like you said, I liked how you said that it wasn't that they weren't thinking, but that they weren't praying. And and when we oftentimes take the time to think and it seems obvious, then we're, we're good to go with it, even if it's against something that we know that the Lord uh, is very particular about the thing that we choose. And so once they've made the covenant, it only takes a couple of days, I think, something like that, to three realize days. That, three days, mm-hmm. yeah, to realize that they were wrong. And the people of Israel want to break the covenant. Like, let's go out against them. Right. But so Understandably leaders, so. Yeah, I think right. I would have been among them. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, you lied. You lied. This doesn't you stand. You tricked me. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you would think this is a this is a false covenant because right. you were false in oh, it. Yeah. And but the leaders of Israel and Joshua understood that they were reflecting the God to whom they belonged. And he was a covenantal God who had made a covenant with them. And so before the nations, they made it and they they make this point, they made it in God's name. It's not that they made it just even between two people or two men or two, whatever they made a covenant with them in the Lord's name. And because the Lord's name involves the fact that he is a covenantal God, they could not, it would not break it. Mm-hmm. So you just see the the commitment to covenant there. And then the grace that comes from being in covenant. Uh, not long after they make this covenant, the other nations come out to attack Gibeon because they've heard that they've, they've gone in with Israel. And they say, you know, Gibeon was a large city, wealthy, strong, and they go out against it. And Israel goes to Gibeon's defense. Mm-hmm. They could have just said, oh, well, 
too bad, but they knew that covenant meant that Gibeon right. is tied to them and they're not going to break it even to their own potential hurt, even though that they had been deceived. And so Vanessa, when we were talking before this started, you just mentioned the fact that we are Gibeon, you know, that mm-hmm. we've entered into a covenant with the Lord because he's chosen to enter mm-hmm. into it with us. Um, not because of who we are. We are rebellious deceivers, all those things, but mm-hmm. the Lord commits himself to us and protects us. And you know, that, that covenant really, I was just thinking extends all the way into David's reign. Remember the time when Saul yes. tries to eradicate yes, yes. the Gibeonites again and the plague later comes on the entire nation of Israel yes. and they seek the Lord and he says, it's because of how you treated the Gibeonites. And until you make that right, um, then that the, this this is going to rest on you this plague, and so even then, how the Lord was honoring that covenant. Yeah, you know? how encouraging that yeah. is that yeah. that entering a covenant wrong, that the Lord would uphold it yeah. in that way that He would punish those who who were not going to be faithful to you yeah. in the covenant. That is yeah. just amazing. Yeah, because it's tied to His name. That's who absolutely, he is. absolutely. Well, so ladies, I know that we can all relate to how easy it is to do what Vanessa just said, to think, but not to pray, to make a decision by what we see, what seems to be obvious, and to not consult the Lord when we're making decisions. You know, for me, I I was thinking there's lots of times when that's the case. I'm in a hurry. Um, Maybe I don't want to hear what it is the Lord would say. Maybe I'm afraid to hear what Mm -hmm. the Lord has to say. Or maybe I just feel really confident that I know what it is the Lord has to say. All those things get me hung up. What about y'all? What are some of the times that you find that you are least likely or that you're most prone, I should say, to neglect seeking God's wisdom? I would say that I'm most prone to neglect seeking God's wisdom when it's something someone's asking me to do at the church for the body of Christ. You know, it seems spiritual. I want to say yes, Um, but I'm learning that I need to seek his counsel, especially in this busy season that I'm in. Um, to hear where he wants me to use his time and his gifts that he's graciously given. But also a, a much less nice answer to be um, to be really truthful and, and honest about it is that when I'm angry, I don't stop to pray for his counsel. Mm-hmm. When I'm angry, I don't want to hear what the Lord yeah. has to say. I um, lean in, I often choose to lean into that anger, raise my voice, slam a door. Uh, defend my cause, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, feeding that anger. Mm -hmm. And sadly, that's when I'm mad, when I'm mad, I often don't want to know God's wisdom. I'm like that old Terry Clark song, country fans. Hello. Um, Her old song says, I just want to be mad for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that's sad. You know, in my anger, I don't want to hear from the Lord. And, and I think that's where I'm really prone to just not ask him for wisdom. Well, those those two things, you you assume that when you go to him in your anger, he's going to deal with that anger in ways that you don't want it to be Uh dealt with yet. Uh So no, like I said, like you said, I'm gonna hold on to that for a while. And then I like too how you, how you, realize that it's hard to make it in a, a decision in the church setting because you could think that everything that is under the umbrella of, of belonging to the Lord or to being a Christian service is the thing we ought to do, mm-hmm. but how we don't realize that, no, you still need to seek the Lord's voice in that place mm-hmm. because not everything that everybody says is from the Lord or should be done for the Lord should be, and that's hard to distinguish those things sometimes. Yeah, and seasons, you know, yeah. seasons just offer different it's it's good to say yes this season, but another season yeah. it may not be. So asking his counsel, yeah, yeah, that's that's really good, Leslie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I my answer to this was pretty brief because I was thinking, when do I, 
you know, when do I neglect asking? And I think it is kind of mirror what you just said, Amber. It's when I'm busy in a hurry, um, maybe overconfident and, um, and then sometimes I don't, I'm afraid of what his answer might be. But, um, as you'll see when, in my example later, when I'm overconfident, I often get humbled Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and I've learned to see that as a mark of his love Mm -hmm. and, um, that, you know, not to beat myself up too much about it, but to learn from it and come back to him. Yeah. Leslie mentioned earlier about changing seasons and she was all in my answer. <laughs> she was looking at me. Yeah, I think I she was. I think she, she was. Uh-huh. Yeah, you saw where I scribbled it on this, this, this napkin? Is that what you saw, Leslie? <laughs> I think changing seasons because the Lord is often really kind and I will discern that a season is changing. However, as I discern it, I, I think my natural inclination is to not want to hear that because I don't like change mm-hmm. like that. I, I, I like steady state. I like predictability. I like comfort. I like to be able to plan my life in 15 minute increments. And if you're talking a transition, that means that's out of my control. That means new stuff. That means letting go of old stuff. That means different, different, different. And mm-hmm. I don't want that. And so I'm less likely to ask for the wisdom, even though he's kind to cause me to discern that the season is changing. I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just if I'm being really honest, I just don't want to talk about it. Another change. Yeah. That so. makes sense. Assuming if I don't talk about it, it's not going to come. Exactly. <laughs> like make it go away. Right. Make it go away. Right. Yeah. That two year old theology that if I can't see it, it goes away. And so that's, I want to cling to that. I just want to act as though it's not there, but that's not how the Lord works. I'm likely to want to talk to the Lord about seasons changing, but can you describe a time when you fail to ask for God's wisdom, experience consequences, and yet still experience the Lord's merciful provision? Because that's just more likely how he's going to deal with us. But anyway. Yes. Um, so just recently, uh, I had quite a, quite a, a good example of this. Um, we had a situation in our home where we had this electrical seizure is how, out, the only way I can explain it. And we, we didn't know that the ground wire had been severed from Georgia Power to our house. And so a simple arc just sent electricity everywhere. And it took out our AC, all our kitchen appliances, um, fried, of course, all the surge suppressors, they did their job, which was good. Um, but, uh, we were, you know, it took us a few days to figure out what had happened. It was very scary. And we were camping out, um, out of coolers and using the grill and, and, you know, thankfully we got the AC fixed pretty quickly. Um, and, Um, but I was calling these appliance repair places and nobody was returning my call or the one that did said he didn't work on the brand that I had, the brands that I had. And so I started looking at new appliances and just had, um, panicked because I had no, I'd never bought three at once. I had only bought Mm -hmm. them one at a time and, and had time to figure it out. And here I had, you know, no dishwasher, no stove, no refrigerator, and 
and and knew was was scaring me. So anyway, I started looking on Facebook Marketplace and um I was and I know this is kind of a crazy long story. I'll try to make it quick, but um they I was looking at I started with refrigerator cuz that was the biggest thing I needed and uh, I felt like I needed I could wash my own dishes. But anyway, so um I I saw certain ones I would contact the people and oh they'd get sold off and they'd get sold off and and I started to panic and I end up long story short I end up believing this guy's story on the other end of the line that he used to work for an appliance repair place and he had this one on the back of his truck that uh, was cold worked well and was a reasonable price and um, and and I, I just have to say, my husband was looking at me like, are you crazy? But I've picked out all of our appliances uh, thus far. And so he's like, okay, he went with me in the truck and we meet him and I don't even plug it in mm. and I bring it home. And, uh, and this guy said he, he set it up or fix, you know, fix something. And, uh, anyway, I got scammed. I brought home and plug it in and it it doesn't work and there's no chance of it being fixed well so anyway it was very humbling because I realized in that moment it was it was a a an emergency and and I didn't stop I allowed my anxiety to just go and oh I've got to take care of this oh this is the way to do it and and the irony is that when I finally did get an appliance guy to come a week or two later, that all it took was a simple reset on my refrigerator. Mm. And I didn't have to go do all that stuff, you know. And, and so anyway, it was, it, was, it was very humbling. And Mike, uh, to give him credit, he did not rub it in. He, you know, he kind of let me know that he's made mistakes in the past oh, and and um you know it was not as consequential as it could have been but anyway that that I, um that's a a very detailed long yeah, story no, but but it was yeah. it was I should have paused and I didn't hmm. <laughs> I love how you pinpoint it's the panic the panic makes mm-hmm. you think I've got to move mm-hmm. um the Lord's not going to supply quick enough or whatever, but I got to get myself in, in, in motion, but just the kindness in that it, it's not as bad as it could have been. You right. have a man who speaks kindly to you. Right. You, know, you see those sweetnesses, even in the midst of a decision you didn't want to make. You know, we were just talking about changing seasons, Vanessa. And so I've reached a new season in my parenting where I'm parenting two teenagers and my old strategies of parenting don't seem to work. Hmm. funny enough, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've, uh, I had this, one of my teenagers had this circumstance recently that I was really sad about. And I offered all the solutions, <laughs> all the solutions. What if we do this? What if you do this? We'll call this person and do this. And finally, this child of mine looked at me and said, mom, I'm not you. Ugh. Yeah. Take that in just a minute. That hurt. (laughs) I I stopped. It stopped me in my tracks. And I said, I'm so sorry. You are not me. I don't want you to be me. 
you're cuter than me. You're smarter than me. You're more awesome than me. Okay. Be you. And I'll stop trying to solve the problem. This teenager of mine wasn't even that sad about this thing. It was just making me really sad. Mm. I was putting that on my teenager. I hadn't stopped to ask for God's wisdom. I was just offering Leslie's wisdom. And not just Leslie's wisdom, but Leslie's teenager wisdom, which of course was (laughs) fantastic, I'm sure, right? (laughs) This is what teenage Leslie would do, so maybe you should do that. (laughs) Mercifully, God showed up anyway, and he gave my teen wisdom, and he showed me that I can trust him, you know, and that um, that child showed such resilience and courage that I was so impressed. You know, I just thought, I got to fix this, you know, because I'm... I'm the mama. Mm-hmm. I got to fix it. And, and I, I've lived this, right? I've, I've yeah. walked through what you, yeah. And so you, you're applying the wisdom that you, that worked for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I needed to step back, mm-hmm. ask the Lord for wisdom and let that child make some decisions. And it turned out great. And thankfully the Lord was merciful. And, mm-hmm. and he really showed me I could trust him with, with these teenagers I'm raising. Yeah. yeah. And you're not, you weren't afraid to show your child that you don't know it all and that to admit that you don't know it all and that it's okay for y'all to seek the Lord together mm. uh, when you don't That's know beautiful. it all. You can't solve that. Mine centers around uh, disciplining teenagers. And I thought it's the teenager episode. <laughs> it's the teenager episode. Tune in now. <laughs> I and I am not the best. I, I do that terrible thing about make a threat in order to get a response <laughs> and then let off the threat <laughs> as long as the response is achieved, which is poor parenting. Anyway, and that is heightened when something happens and I have that thought, oh my word, this child, it, it, their whole life projects out in front of me and I see how absolutely horrific and terrible it's going to be if I do not do something <laughs> right. right now. And so then I come down hard and I say something or I do something or I threaten something or I punish in some sort of way. I haven't even had the briefest moments to think about it. I just deliver it mm. because I'm scared mm-hmm. that it is that mm-hmm. thought that I haven't done the right thing up to this point. I, we've got to get this thing under control. And so that, that panic feeling you're describing, Beth, I have that sometimes uh, when I encounter things with my kids and I, and I want to put the hammer down instead of just hitting pause and saying, Lord, you're faithful. You've always been faithful. You're patient. I can wait and they can wait and you're faithful, faithful with what, with the way that you discipline me and you give me time and I can do that with my own kiddos. So I, go ahead. No, I was just thinking it's just so healthy, healthy and helpful for us to name that that's a fear response yeah, yeah. that often causes us to not pause and to ask for that wisdom. I think intellectually, you know, if we've been, you know, rehearsed or socialized in this gospel teaching and, you know, and everyone has not, but if you have, you're thinking, I know that it's right to pray and it's right to seek the Lord and ask him these things. We know that intellectually, but that fear response yeah. often will, you know, push us past what we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, it's really helpful to be able to name that. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. That'll override that. Well, and to me, the grace in that is repentance. I, yes. I will make a point of telling my children that I was wrong and that mm-hmm. I was parenting them out of fear and that I don't really believe mm-hmm. those things. And will they forgive me? And you think the Lord keeps that relationship. There's the grace of that restoration and continuing to move forward. Y'all. So we're talking about some of the ways we tend to not ask uh, the Lord's wisdom in ways that we want to. 
in the ways he's gracious to us anyway. But I know that there are ways that we do ask the Lord's wisdom and there's uh, probably countless ways we've experienced the sweet ways in which he's delivered it. Y'all talk about some of those ways when you've asked the Lord for wisdom and he's answered. Yeah, actually, it's it's really neat that I'm sitting here at this table with you ladies today because the Lord has used the three of you to really encourage me in this season. Um, you've been an instrument of God's God giving his wisdom to me. Beth has raised a bunch of teenagers to adulthood, mm-hmm. and she has humbly and beautifully shared some things with me. I don't know why I need to cry about it, but yes, Kleenex are right. here. Um, she, um, she gives her insights to me so kindly and in such humility that uh, I'm so encouraged by her. So thank you for that, Beth. That's um, one of the joys of working with you is I get to say, hey, um, you've raised a bunch of teenage girls <laughs> and a few boys, you know, let's talk, let's talk. And then just the other day, I was telling this story to Amber and Vanessa and you two spoke life to me uh, about parenting teenagers. And I don't know why this episode became the teenager podcast, but it really <laughs> did because that's where Amber and I are right now. And, and also Vanessa. That's right. We're all, we'll rename the podcast later. The teenager <laughs> podcast. But it is God's sweetness um, to reveal his wisdom through the body of Christ. And you ladies have been so so encouraging to me in this season so thank you for that well, how kind of the lord as as uh, thank you leslie i love working with you <laughs> and um it's so fun to see in children's ministry how our team comes together because we are all so so different we and, are. <laughs> and we just bring different things to the group and um and god takes it and uses it and, and um what is it he def- he multiplies the loaves and the fishes mm-hmm. <laughs> with what mm-hmm. we bring to him um so when i think about how the lord has answered me um i it it has maybe less specifically but um i was telling amber just a few days ago that um in this season um i feel an increasing uh, amount of anxiety this this time of year as I approach the the um, anniversary of my son's death and I kind of re relive a lot of things and um, and I have I catch myself I'm learning how to catch myself uh, self-medicating with either food or busyness or podcasts or anything to not think or feel. And, um, and, and that's, that's pushing God away. That's Mm -hmm. not, um, seeking him for wisdom. And, and so in his, in his love, he's teaching me to worship, you know, um, when Job lost, had his losses, he, he fell down and worshiped. And I find that, um, getting quiet and bringing, bringing it all to the Lord and just, um, listening to worship music. And, and then I start to feel his presence and his comfort. And, um, and I feel that I'm in a place where I can hear him. And, uh, when I'm self-medicating, I can't hear anybody and, um, I can't hear, hear him. So, 
I, I guess I'm seeing him answer me with just an awareness of his peace and his presence and, um, and showing me when I'm going off the rails and bringing me back and, um, and learning to enjoy that dependence on him and, um, instead of white knuckling through it. Yeah. So that's, that's my season. <laughs> it's a tender thing to share with us. I appreciate it. And, and I think when you're saying that, I, I thought a lot of times we could think of God's wisdom as needing to know what to do. Mm. But what you're saying is, is how do I grieve and how do I worship and how do I come to you instead of running away from all of these things? And that's different than, and maybe in some ways deeper than what kind of decision do I make? And so to hear you say that is just a, a good Good and encouraging reminder to me of, oh, yeah, the Lord gives himself, and in yeah. his wisdom, he applies himself to us in all of those of those tender places. And I, I could also hear just our propensity to medicate with other things that will never satisfy, mm-hmm. and, and he longs to, and to, he longs to give us that comfort to satisfy us. Mm-hmm. No, I was thinking today cause I, I taught Bible study. And so when I do that, I, as you know, when you teach all you ladies teach in one capacity or another, you know, all the studying that goes into it. Right, and right. I can vacillate between thinking, Oh yeah, I see some really good things here to thinking, Oh my gosh, I have nothing to say <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and it's always a lesson to me of dependence on yes. the Lord mm-hmm. and a reminder that unless the Lord speaks, I have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. I don't have to overthink that. I can trust him to say what he's going to say. It doesn't have to be some remarkable thing I say or whatever, but I'm just always reminded when I teach that it's the Lord that taught me first. And you know what it's like to go to scripture and to have that aha where the spirit just mm. makes alive the word and mm, implants yes. it in your heart mm. and directs it just exactly to the place it needs to go. And you know, the Lord has spoken to you yes. and that is a sweet way. Uh, he answers that yeah, that so request of wisdom. Yeah, wisdom. that is so good. That is utterly terrifying and utterly freeing. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. at the same, yeah. all at the same yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, It's so easy for us to rely on what we think we know and fail to ask for wisdom, particularly in places where we feel we have sufficient understanding. The Lord has promised to freely grant wisdom to those who ask. Israel's propensity to be deceived because of their failure to ask for wisdom is also true of us. Dale Ralph Davis puts it this way. I love how he says this. Not only do we need the Lord's power to fight our obvious enemies, but we need the Lord's wisdom to detect our subtle enemies. Mm, That's so true. God's people in our day do not make up a nation um, meant to subdue other nations and lands, but we are a people with a common enemy. Mm -hmm. And one that scripture says prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's a serious Mm -hmm. enemy. Mm And so it's my prayer that we would humbly seek the Lord's wisdom for all of life, that we would be able to quickly identify the enemy and his schemes by that same wisdom, and that we would know that it is indeed the Lord who goes before us and who fights for us. Amen. And with that note of encouragement, we hope you will join us again next week.
Let us keep you company while you carve the pumpkins you bought last week (laughs) or while you walk around the sports field waiting for your child to be done practice. If you want to see the pretty faces of Leslie and Beth who have joined us today, you can check them out on our Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA or find us on Instagram at First Pres Augusta Women. We hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of pure shining to cheer it after the